Brent here. Lennon joins us, director of the independent think tank, the UK in a changing Europe. Maybe it's a changing UK and yes. uh, more stable Europe at the moment. But just, just to start with Cameron, he, as, as Danny Dar says, he called it on. Mm-hmm. Is he to blame? Well, look, he's to blame in the sense that, yes, he to an extent put party before country and he said, OK, look, if I'm going to win the next election, if I'm going to shut UKIP up, calling a referendum is the way to do it. What I would say is I think most most politicians in his place would have done the same thing. But then he compounded that, I think. He didn't plan for the event of a vote to leave. He didn't plan at all. So we were left unprepared. And he ran a really bad campaign. Uh, so actually, he was, I mean, David Cameron is a, was very hubristic as Prime Minister. And I think he glibly assumed, I won in Scotland, so I'll win in this. And uh, he underestimated the opposition and didn't really run a, a good enough campaign. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching that Brexit drama. Have you seen that? Yeah. With Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm halfway through. Don't give away the ending. But that clearly, that lot, that Cameron lot, were very, very complacent. OK, so he could be blamed for not, not running a good campaign and not having a plan. Theresa May, let's, let's go to her. She's in charge and it's a mess. Is there a case for saying this is all her fault? Well, let me give a slight case for the defence first. And the case for the defence is Theresa May was a Remainer, albeit a soft-spoken one, during the referendum campaign. So the problem she had as soon as she became Prime Minister was she had to prove her mettle to the hardline Brexiters. She had to win their trust. So she started off tacking towards a hard Brexit. What she is culpable for is absolutely failing to be honest with either MPs or the British public about the trade-offs that Brexit involves. If we're going to reclaim sovereignty, it's going to make trade harder. And she was never explicit about that, and I think that's one of the reasons why MPs are struggling to accept this deal, which represents a compromise. It's a bad negotiator as well, or not? I'm not certain any negotiator from the UK would have got a different deal from the European really? Union. I okay. think it's pretty much ballpark where we would have ended up Looking for who's to blame here. Jeremy Corbyn, okay, standing on the sidelines, but maybe he should be more involved. Well, this is interesting. It depends what your priority is. If you're a person who thinks the priority for this country is to have a Labour government, Jeremy Corbyn's played a blinder. His ambiguity over Brexit means that Labour constituencies include the constituencies that voted most heavily remain and the ones that voted most heavily leave because he's been spectacularly ambiguous. If you're a person who thinks actually Brexit is bigger than anything else, then he's been useless because he's failed to nail his flag to the mast, say what he thinks and stop Theresa May doing what she's doing. The package by Tim Johns then went on to the so-called European Research Group and there's a whole cluster of people in there, Boris Johnson, Jacob Rees-Mogg and so on. So we could call them the no-dealers. Now, are the no-dealers to blame? Because they always wanted something that maybe the House of Commons wouldn't vote for and wasn't really viable. Well, yes, except they are in in some ways in pole position because if nothing changes, if there's no majority in Parliament for anything else, we leave on the 29th of March with no deal. I don't think... I disagree with the European Research Group. I think the, the things they say about World Trade Organisation are misleading and that no deal will be damaging, but I can't blame them for trying to get an outcome they want. And what they're I would, clear on it, I guess, as well. Yeah, and what I would blame are the, the successive Tory uh, Prime Ministers in a way, you can go all the way back to John Major, who have given too much weight to the Eurosceptic wing in the party, paid them too much attention. There's only about 80 of them, but they've had a disproportionate influence over Conservative policy for many years. Tim, in his report there, also mentioned the People's Vote Brigade, who voted down the deal because they wanted to stop Brexit. Now, what about that? They've got in the way of this. 
Well, again, that depends what you want to see as the outcome. They don't want a deal. They don't want to leave. In that sense, there's a weird symmetry between the European Research Group and the People's Vote crowd. They're on opposite extremes of the debate. They both want Parliament to crash this deal, so we're left with the two extremes. People's vote people will say to you, OK, it's the only way we can get the only deal that matters, and that's membership. And if they end up having a referendum, they've been the victors. Farage and vote leave and so on, pretty clear that bus was a lie, but having said that, Nigel Farage says he never said that figure. Although in our package, I think we heard Michael Gove saying the 350 million. Anyway, they ran an effective campaign because they won. But do we blame them for doing it without the facts being solid? Well, you're, that's absolutely spot on. To, be, Nigel, to, be, uh, to understate it, maybe, for some. But, I mean, N- Nigel Farage is an unparalleled campaigner and was absolutely central to the decision to leave the European Union through his campaign. On the other hand, yes, a lot of the things he said were either misleading or downright dishonest, and that degrades the quality of political debate. But ultimately, we live in a winner-takes-all political culture where people do what it takes to win. Well, the last one, then, is the EU itself. They could have offered a deal that might have had a chance of getting through the House of Commons. They offered one that didn't. And there is this thought that maybe we are being waterboarded for leaving. I think this criticism is, is, is potentially right for the wrong reason. I don't think the EU is aggressive and bullying. I think the EU exaggerates its own weakness. And because they're desperately keen to avoid anyone else leaving, and I don't think anyone else will, they are desperate to keep their unity, keep the single market. And I think that fear, rather than an aggression, has made them take an overly hardline view of Brexit and an overly restrictive view of the negotiations. Thank you so much, Arnon Menon from the independent think tank UK in a Changing Europe. Just talking about...